So we've been waiting for Super Tuesday for like four years. And in a week with Super Tuesday, it was, has not been the biggest story. Not at all. And it's not like a sports story has been the biggest story, although indirectly, sports have become a part of the story. Well, quite specifically, um, Derek and I are now in the process of trying to decide whether to buy tickets to the Nuggets-Bucks game on Monday. Now, or do we wait for more <laughs> coronavirus <laughs> cases to happen in Colorado, um, possibly driving the tickets down? Or making us not want to go. Or that. Depending on how badly it goes this weekend. <laughs> that's At this point, that's still my third favorite option. <laughs> um, so I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. And this is the Denverse. And really, the spread of coronavirus has always already made it so that Italy is playing soccer in stadiums that are empty until April 1st. And that is a real possibility here where we're about a month behind Italy's uh, Italy's cycle with this. And what's happening in a month? We've got Rockies opening day, and then we have NHL and NBA playoffs. So there's a chance that the Nuggets and Avalanche could be playing at the Pepsi Center to empty seats, and there's also a chance that a couple of those games will only be on altitude, which neither of us get. So truly, with a global pandemic um, spreading, the most important thing to us, the us, the twenty-somethings, the poorly insured, um, is the fact that we may not get to engage in Nuggets or Avs sports at all within the next month. Which, at that point, just take me away. <laughs> like, I would rather be sick and in, inval- invalid than not being able to enjoy sports. There have only been two times in the last. 120 years where the Stanley Cup has not been awarded. Once was the 2003-4 lockout, or 4-5 lockout, and the other time was the great flu in the 19-teens. They did cancel off season of hockey, so no Stanley Cup was awarded that year. So there is precedent for this like really having a huge effect on sports. Yeah, and I think that's it's an important thing to look at jokes aside. Um, is like the ecosystem with which we live. You and I have the privilege and pleasure to care too much about Denver sports of all things. But the ability for those things to exist rest like on a more precarious balance than we can really appreciate sometimes. But um, although definitely the coronavirus at this point is still open, overhyped it is march the 5th and the first case in colorado has been confirmed and we're assuming over the weekend that it's only going to increase um me very nervously i was in summit county where the first person uh was confirmed just a few days ago and so you just never know i would like to think that it is a lot of hype and it will blow over to a fair degree, but we have to consider, yeah, within a month's time with the way that it's spreading in places outside of China, that only more people in Colorado are going to become infected. And Do you wash your hands, Derek? I do wash my hands. Do you? Yes. Do you wash them for 20 seconds at a time? I, it has always been a ballpark. <laughs> uh, now it's 20 seconds. I was traveling this weekend, and the lines at the sinks in the bathrooms was incredible. 
because male bathrooms, it's like 40% of people wash their hands, if that. And so it was incredible to see all of the people that have suddenly changed their tune to washing their hands. <laughs> That's a, the, a good silver lining, hopefully, that that behavior sticks. But yeah, I mean, working in schools, I wash my hands regularly, but I also think I have a stronger immune system than most. But each sneeze and tickle, I was like, oh, God. Um, getting into the sports side of it, the it has been a kind of whack weekend for both teams, specifically the Nuggets, because on Monday night, was it no Tuesday night, the Nuggets lost at home to the Golden State Warriors. What was the score? The score of that game was Golden State one sixteen, Denver Nuggets one hundred. Damn. 16-point blowout. To the worst team in the league, a team that I don't even know if they were trying to win. Um, a team that the best explanation I saw from someone was, don't worry about it, they're impossible to scout because no one knows who's on their team. Ah, uh, that's a good... Yeah, the G League Warriors. Um, this was their 14th win, which... I mean, it's been like a month and a half since the Nuggets played them, but the Nuggets were trying to avoid getting, giving them their 10th win. So it's not like they've made a lot of progress since then. Sure. <laughs> but the Nuggets ostensibly have made some progress, but now an almost healthy roster looked worse than the roster that pulled out a miraculous victory against them a month and a half ago. Well, and it wasn't... In some ways, it was and it wasn't the most concerning loss of the week. Because the Los Angeles Clippers lost, they lost one thirty-two to one hundred three against the team they're battling for the second seed with. Oh yeah, and they weren't even competitive in that game. No, yeah, at least there was a moment where it was like, uh, Nuggets, we know how y'all operate. You'll pull this off against the Warriors. There was almost no point in the Clippers game where it looked like they had any capability of closing the gap and then maintaining a league lead. I mean, I'm concerned about both, and I'm concerned about almost every player on the Nuggets right now. I'm not concerned about Jokic because he is still consistently doing the things he needs to do. He's still got 21 points in that Clippers game, but it was another game where Murray was inconsistent. Millsap was just terrible. Um, Harris is still having shooting problems. Porter didn't get to play in that game, but then he was terrible in the Golden State game. <laughs> You're just you're looking at this team and you're like, how are we a year further into this? And we're seeing the Denver Nuggets playoff team come back. And in some ways, you're trading out uh, Harris, who wasn't great in the playoffs offensively, but was okay with Barton, who is still streaky as ever. It's just he's hitting more than he's missing. Mm -hmm. And not to forget about the bench that's been super inconsistent since everyone's been back and healthy. Um very strangely, like a week and a half ago, the Nuggets waived Jordan McRae. Um, their big shooter, who they had traded, in in essence, traded Beasley and Hernan Gomez for. Yeah. They waived him, just like outright let him go. And then, as of yesterday, signed uh, Troy Daniels from the Lakers. Like, the Lakers waived him, then the Nuggets signed him to... Do what? I'm not sure. He's a nearly 40% from three scorer. But with the way that Modalone's rotations are set up, we're never going to see him play. 
And that's both those players are in contrast to Malik Beasley, who is lighting it up in Minnesota. It's I've been wondering, especially since the trade deadline, the Nuggets haven't had the same en- energy. No. And I'm starting to wonder if that has to do with the fact that Malik Beasley and Juancho Hernan Gomez were so much a part of the culture of the Nuggets. And we look back to the Rockies last year when they got rid of Para and Gonzalez, and they just had a lot of serious guys. And you wonder if that's something happening with the Nuggets right now. Yeah, possibly, but like that's certainly not an excuse that the Nuggets could use, nor do I want to use it as a fan, because that just shows how vulnerable and weak the team was to begin with. If your chemistry falls apart because of two bench players' absence, then that means that you didn't have the mental toughness to be in the situation that you're in, let alone succeed in the situation in the playoffs. Um, Super frustrating that it seems so many moving parts are happening and nothing is fitting. Well, and Torrey Craig just keeps getting more and more minutes under Malone again and he completely shuts down the offense. Like, at least when Harris is on the floor, they can just avoid him. <laughs> Torrey Craig is like a, a cog in the machine that isn't moving. Like, he's not helping you in any way, even if you don't pass to him on the offensive side. And I really... This has been the first week in a long time where I've really started questioning what Malone's doing and if he's holding the team back more than helping them. Yeah. Um, uh, shout out to Reddit because... Um, the Fire Malone train had existed for like three years and then it went ominously quiet for a while. But very quickly, like you look at the rotations, you look at the loss um, to Los Angeles, the Clippers, where they were struggling to get offense and he just wouldn't put MPJ back in the game. And then you have the weird rotations losing to a Golden State team, which... There was no position that was a disadvantage for the Nuggets. Like, every single player on the Nuggets team was ostensibly more talented than any player on the Warriors team. But then you had Steve Kerr versus Mike Malone, and Malone got outcoached? I'm not sure. That was such a weird game. Um, And it really shows that the Nuggets' defense is just – it's not been able to maintain down the stretch, and the offense is still not – caught up to the best version of the Nuggets defense. So the standings right now are in the Western Conference are the Lakers 47 and 13. Around the trade deadline, the Nuggets were still within fighting distance of the Lakers. Now they're really not. They're six and a half games mm-hmm. back. The Clippers are 42 and 19 in second place. And the Nuggets are 41 and 20 in third place. That Clippers game being the swing game right there, which is really frustrating. And then right behind them, the Rockets are 39 and 21, so just uh, one game back from the Nuggets, uh, and well, one game in the loss column. The Utah Jazz are 39 and 22, so two games back in the loss column, and the Thunder are 38 and 24. So right now, the Nuggets sit as a three seed, and their matchup would be against the Oklahoma City Thunder, who just again destroyed them yeah. a week and a half ago with Chris Paul. How do you feel about that matchup with? the second round being against the Clippers right now? Uh, I would still have to... I think we're being a bit of doomsdayers, but we're the most like reasoned and leveled um, 
sky is falling people that I've ever heard. So I can say <laughs> confidently that I think the Nuggets would still edge the Thunder, but it would go into six to seven games for sure. And that would rest on the fact that I don't think the defense will be able to clamp down, especially if Chris Paul gets hot early. Uh, the Nuggets, have, I think, in the last several games, is after the All-Star break, they've shown that they still kind of sweat under pressure. Mm -hmm. So I could definitely see Chris Paul being able to pick them apart mid-range, leaving more guys open from the perimeter. And if those shots fall, because Thunder are playing with as one of the most confident teams in the league right now, that the Nuggets would really struggle there. Um, but I think they would edge them. Jamal Murray has stepped up enough, I believe, to be a second-round playoff dude alongside Jokic. And then just like a question, like kind of a roll of the die, who are the other two to four players that you need to show up? And unfortunately for some of the wins the Nuggets have had recently, it's been Torrey Craig. You don't want to be one of the essential pieces. Yeah, I mean, as I said, he sort of grinds things to a halt. Um, I'm... I'm less high on Murray right now. I feel like he looks a lot like he did last year, and I'm afraid what that looks like in the playoffs. I'm hoping he learned his lesson, but, I mean, we know that the Nuggets had to rely on Murray being hot just to get to game seven of the second round, including a game where he just took over in the fourth quarter. Yeah. But I think that that is a problem. I'm worried about Gallinari in that Thunder series. We finally get to see playoff Gallinari, and it's on the other side of the of the coin which is just very frustrating. And, I mean, I am... I think the Nuggets have to do everything they can to get that two seed because if you have to play the Lakers and the Clippers in the first round, and or in the two rounds back-to-back, -back, you need to at least get the Clippers at home. Yeah. Because the Nuggets don't... I mean, the hard part right now is the two teams that the Nuggets match up against the least are the two teams ahead of them, which makes sense. But for the Nuggets, it seems like it's more matchup problems at times than it is um, chemistry. And I, they should should have played better against Clippers. Like, they have the defensive personnel to at least contain the Clippers. They just weren't deploying them in that game. Yeah, that was an interesting one where, uh, like, the Clippers' defense can start to lock down. But I, really, I think the easiest way to play the Nuggets right now is to get them to overthink because – um, that loss was really punctuated by turnovers early, and that just killed their momentum. And a team like the Clippers can then kind of like park the bus on them mm -hmm. and just keep the players in front of them, bullying them, not letting them get in the paint at all. Yeah, it's it's interesting, and unfortunately now looking back at the trade a little while, the Nuggets have not improved very much. They did a good job in flipping Beasley for a late round first um, from Houston. But you didn't add any athleticism or length or shooting. And Troy Daniels, I don't know what, he, what he'd have to do in practice to jump up to be like the backup shooting guard. It's really, the Nuggets are too talented, but no one is talented enough outside of Jokic to really be a game changer. Well, I mean, they've been holding on to all of these pieces for years, and then basically time expired on them trading them. Like, that's sort of what happened with Beasley and Hernan Gomez. They yeah. weren't able to put everybody together into a trade that actually made them better. It was just like, we're going to push past the buck down the road. And, you know, one of the, the things was, they're in a contract year, we want to let them play. 
who cares? Like, that's not your job as an NBA team. Like, I understand that you, you know, want to honor them or whatever. The same thing, you can just let them out of their contract at the end of the year. They can sign one-year deals somewhere else. Someone was going to take a flyer on both of them. Yeah. Like, that is not your job as an NBA team, and I think that they overplayed their position there. Sure. I mean, well, they sent them to a good situation in Minnesota. Like, Beasley wouldn't look this good on a playoff team because he wouldn't be given those looks. Yeah. Um, but it is undeniable that the Nuggets lost a greater talent than they returned. I mean, they, it's meaningless to many, but I still like the fact that the Nuggets got 40 wins before 20, which is the old uh, prophecy of Phil Jackson that elite teams are get to the 40 before the 20 in the win-loss column. So they were able to do that. The sky isn't falling, but the Nuggets' schedule is the hardest in the NBA leading up um, to the playoffs in that, well, hell, they lost to Char- uh, they lost to Golden State. Don't let me jinx it. They're <laughs> playing Charlotte right now. Um, lost to the Warriors, have the Hornets, the Cavaliers on the road, and then Bucks at home, Mavericks, Spurs, Lakers, Clippers, Thunder, Raptors. Then get a brief reprieve in the Bulls, but then Heat, Spurs, Thunder, Warriors again, which that may be, so far that's <laughs> been the hardest team they've played. So really, I mean, it's... It gets a little easier at the end of the year, and during that stretch, the only home game is the Clippers after the Bucks. Like, they have like six on the road in that stretch. Yeah, and apparently the NBA schedule makers understand. Well, we did forget the Nuggets did handily beat the Raptors. Um, yeah, they did, and that was that was a good win. I mean, the Raptors are a top team in the in the East, and it came at the right time. It was in it was one of those Jokic games where he just uh, took off. He had twenty three, eighteen rebounds, eleven assists, and so. Gary Harris didn't look terrible in that game. No. At all. No, and I mean, I think that that, to me, it's the problem is not that there aren't guys that look good. It's that no one except for Jokic is consistent. Yeah. And they just have to figure that out because we saw that in the playoffs and Jokic was almost good enough to win it by himself. Like, they were in that fifth overtime. What was it? Four overtimes? He almost won that yeah. game by himself. But 65 minutes. They need another guy who's consistent every night and then they need the role players to play their parts. And... I mean, I think it could be Murray, but even as a scoring score first point guard, his position alone is not enough. That's really where, like, you want Grant and MPJ to be good two way players, like the knockdown three shooters and dudes who are able to help clog up the paint, switch on rotations, and just make life difficult for teams and really, like, match up against a LeBron, an AD, a Paul George, and uh, Kawhi. And thus far, that hasn't happened. So it's a it's an interesting spot. The Nuggets were, what, 2-2 two and two since our last recording. Mm-hmm. Um, quality win against the Raptors, quality loss against the Clippers, Clippers, and then 
okay, you should have definitely won against the Pistons, and then uh, what the hell were y'all doing against the Warriors? So you got to see the entire gamut of this team and why they're so frustrating. And, I mean, every loss just matters so much since the teams are so close. Like, they, they go on a five-game losing streak here. They're looking at not even a home a home first-round series right now. Really, yeah. So um, flipping over to the other side of our uh, road, to the, road to the playoffs preview, Colorado Avalanche's seven-game win streak came to an end last night in the final seconds, final 10 seconds of overtime against the Anaheim Ducks. Uh, it was just a terrible play. Jost basically had a breakaway. He got interfered with, lost the puck. Ducks turned around, went the other way, and scored right before they were about to get to a shootout. Um, but it has been a good stretch for the Avalanche in a moment where a lot of their top players are hurt. Kale McCarr hasn't played the last two games. Grubauer hasn't played since the stadium series. Rantanen's hurt and still isn't ready to return. Burakovsky's hurt. Um, Calvert's hurt. I'm forgetting someone, but there are a lot of guys hurt. Kadri is still. Kadri's hurt. Um, so they are struggling but have been able to fill it in, and last night was Landis Gog's best game of the season, his first three-point night of the season, and McKinnon got a goal, and he'd been on an eight-game goalless streak, and oh. he just, it was one of those goals where they were losing, he was really frustrated, he just walked in and shot faster than anyone can shoot, and was like, I'm going to take over this game, which uh, tied the game back up, but the Avs have a similar problem to the Nuggets, but not for the same reason. They go on a seven-game winning streak, and they're still two points behind the Blues for first place in the Western Conference and, and in their division. And for those of you that don't know, the way that the NHL playoffs work is the first round is the first two rounds are all within your division. So the top three seeds in each division make it to the playoffs. And then there's a wild card team that can go either way. So last year, the Avs were the last wild card team. So they went over to the Pacific Division and played the best team in the league, the Calgary Flames. Uh, so yeah. they were in the Pacific Division bra bracket, which is why they played the Flames and the Sharks. This year, the separation between the third place team, the Dallas Stars, at 82 points, and the wild card teams right now is, it looks like it's eight points. So the top three teams are basically set in the Central Division. Uh, the Blues, the Avs, and the Stars, but they're jockeying for position. Over this win streak, the Avs and the Blues have pulled away from the Stars. The Avs are now six points up on the Stars and are battling for the first and second place in the conference and in the division. Now, what is the difference between those two? The Blues, or whoever gets the first position, will get to play the lesser wildcard team. Sure. So it looks like it's going to be... There are a number of teams, but all teams the Avs have played pretty well against. The Jets, the Wild, the Predators... The Canucks, the Coyotes are the teams battling for that spot. And if you lose and you get the second place spot, you play the Stars in the first round of the playoffs. And really the top three teams in the Western Conference right now are the Blues, the Avs, and the Stars. So the Avs would have to play the Stars in the first round if they get that second spot. They have not played well against the Stars. Mm -hmm. The Stars have the mix of physicality and Goal-scoring talent that just really hurts the Avs. It's a much worse bat matchup for the Avs than even the Blues. And so it's a pretty big drop-off. The only thing that the Avs have going for them is they still have a game in hand over the Blues. And the last game of the season is between the Avs and the Blues here at Pepsi Center. Oh, that's a good one. So that's sort of where we stand right now. 
How are you feeling about the Avs as we, as we head into this last stretch where they have, looks like, 16 games left until the playoffs? Well, my question is, like with Rantanen, he's been hurt all season. Yeah. Do you just shut him down for now and hopefully he's ready by the playoffs? Because um, if I'm not mistaken, like, it's just a bunch of, like, small nagging injuries. And from there, that's just kind of like... I know. I just hurt the hell out of my shoulder. Like, once you're already hurt, it just makes it that much easier to hurt anything else. And I know that as are jockeying for position, but a healthy Miko Rantanen against any team is maybe better than, like, a 60 to 80% Rantanen against competition that abs absolutely should beat. So what do they do with him? Not, not to mention... Kadri and Burakovsky, Burakovsky, <laughs> Makar, Makar, Grubauer. Yeah, I mean, so the Avs have already gone through one of these streaks before, where they had a lot of guys hurt. They were did great, just like they're doing now in November, and then everyone came back and they sort of fell off the map. It was like everyone like let their foot off the brake. Yeah. I think for two reasons, you want to get them back. At least I'd say you'd love to get them back for ten games before the playoffs just because they need to get up to game speed and they the Avs need to find their chemistry again. But you're right. There's no reason to rush them back because as we know from the playoffs last year and all the guys that were hurt, everyone just plays through injuries in the playoffs. So I believe both Landis Cog and Johnson had significant injuries. Cole ended up having two injuries on both legs, I think, and he was supposed to be out till December originally. So like, it really does matter and Grubauer, like you're hoping he gets hot, and Francois has emerged as sort of insurance there mm-hmm. where Grubauer also has to play well when he comes back, so he's not going to want to rush it. Um, so yeah, you definitely want to wait, but you don't want all these guys coming back for the first game of the playoffs because they're not going to be up to game speed. And so they got to balance those that two things. That makes sense, that makes sense. And I mean, we've seen this in all sports, but... In hockey, it is very hard when a guy comes back in the middle of a playoff run. I mean, the best example we have in sports here is when the Rockies decided to start Willie Tavares in the World Series after he hadn't played for a month, and he did not have a good World Series. Yeah, but he had like two weeks off to try to I know uh, get up to game speed. But yeah, I mean, that's a tough one, but it's just like this parade of injuries, you kind of then have to question who is going to be the most efficient. I mean... Uh, there's seven, one, and two in the last ten games. They're still one of the elite teams in the NHL, and clearly, based off of earlier in the season, right now, that really, as long as you have a healthy McKinnon, you have a puncher's chance. And I think it's easy to underestimate the rest of the squad and just how good they are. So I'm feeling good about the Avs. I know some of their matchups, like a Blues and um, Stars are their Lakers, Clippers. It's just like they'll match up well. Those teams are the ones that can force the Avs to play their style of hockey. But um, I think it goes without saying that 
one should have more confidence in the Avs than they should the Nuggets if we're making a comparison between those two. Yeah, and I think that that is some to do with just how the NHL playoffs work, but also just the Avs are playing at a much higher level. They have the third highest goal differential in the league and the highest in the Western Conference, and that's a huge deal. Um, I am worried about for the Avs matchups, even if they get that one seed, there's a chance they're playing either the Wild or the Predators in that first round. Two teams that the Avs have lost to in the playoffs, obviously. Um, and you don't... Neither team that I'm very excited to see in the playoffs, especially the Wild, knowing how they play historically. Yeah. Um, I mean, once the NHL playoffs start, you know anyone who's in it can win it, which is not true in the NBA. But yeah, this is... This is the Avs team, and I will say that Nemesnikov, who they got at the trade deadline, looked really good. He played on the top line last night, got the first goal, and Hutchinson, who the Avs got, who was the backup, really helped them win that game against the Red Wings in a game where yeah, they were struggling to win. Yeah, he looked super solid. Yeah. Um, yeah, his first goal was really awful, but then after that, he looked really good. Um, so yeah, I think it's going to be an interesting few weeks here. Um, I'm just ready for playoffs. It's, yeah, it's kind of the home stretch is always hard in these because you know, and for the players too, like you know, like it matters so much less than the games coming up. I mean, going on our coronavirus metaphors, it's like everyone's kind of waiting for summer because it feels like that will die down, and we just want both teams to stay healthy enough and competitive enough that once we hit summer, it'll be sort of smooth sailing. I would like to say if uh, Major League Baseball decides that they don't want to play this year and the Rockies just don't play, go ahead. Perfect. Yeah, there's absolutely no news on that front. No, I mean, everything is chugging along. Um, some news that we are seeing with disgruntled players, Chris Harris Jr., the uh, Broncos signed a cornerback. A.J. Bouye from the Jacksonville Jaguars. And there's been some talk that, you know, that means that Chris Harris is out the door. There was also some talk that this should bolster the um, case for Chris Harris Jr. staying, but it looks like he kind of wants to go play in Kansas City, which is frustrating, or he's just ready to be done in Denver. And as sad as that would be, as he's one of the four remaining players from the Super Bowl team, I kind of would like for him to go. <sighs> and here's why. Chris Harris Jr. is definitely on the back end of his career. Sure. The, we're never going to see as good of a Chris Harris Jr. as we've seen here before. And it's really hard to watch players that you love struggle at the end of their careers. Mm -hmm. So from that standpoint, I think if this is the time, I will be happy to see him go. I will not be happy if he's picking off Drew Locke for the Kansas City Chiefs. But that if, would be insulting as hell. If we've seen the best of him, I would rather not have to watch him every week. That is true. I mean, it's kind of a situation where, yeah, he's declining, but he's last year he was still far and away the most reliable corner. And if the Broncos opt not to get a quarterback, a cornerback in the high rounds of the draft, that's going to mean Isaac Yadam gets more playing time. Or uh, I just don't think there's any way Elway is going to be like that's great. Yeah, I don't think so. The, the problem is it's like the cornerback, the backfield right now is so weakened that the prospect of A.J. Bouye and Chris Harris Jr. sounds formidable, whereas 
having only one of those dudes still then makes you rely on a host of younger, still very much unproven dudes. And that guy that didn't really play last year, his name I can't remember. Uh, there's Devontae Bosby. He got hurt early yeah. in the season. And then there were like two. Langley? Oh, no, Brandon Langley. He got, he got cut in preseason, okay. I'm pretty sure. Uh, Cody Sensabaugh was on the team for a second. And this is the type of stuff where like, I'm rattling off names of <laughs> backup quarterbacks, and I'm like, what important thing am I not remembering in my life? Uh, but, yeah, I mean, that's the problem. Like, you have Chris Harris Jr., and then who? Or you have A.J. Bouye, and then who? And it would be super awesome. Oh, Bryce Callahan. That's the other guy. Oh, the, 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 the ghost, Bryce yes. Callahan. Yeah, um... That'd be crazy if he came back. If if Bryce Callahan came to play as like a true blue football player, and you had uh, AJ Bouye, then I feel better at it. But yeah, like Chris Harris Jr. have loved him. If he still wants to play in this league at a high level, I know a team will overpay for him. I don't want that to be the Broncos. And so, yeah, on the level of sense, uh, sentimentality, where it's like, oh, the one of the four. Um, Derek Wolf probably isn't coming back. Wait, so you have uh, Wolf, Harris, Vaughn, and McManus. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll yeah. we'll have McManus forever. Hopefully. Yes, he'll be like Elam, where it'll just be like you're 50 and you're still doing this. Yeah, and I think Wolf is definitely leaving. Harris likely. So I think likely we'll start this season off with just two um, of the Super Bowl dudes left. And it's fitting enough that it's Miller and McManus, although certainly hope with a healthy Bradley Chubb back that Miller will have a memorable season. Did you see the report today that ESPN is trying to trade for Al Michaels and create a an Al Michaels-Peyton Manning Monday Night Football crew? I didn't hear that, nor did I know that you can trade <laughs> Well, so Al, Al Michaels like actually got traded to NBC one time for Oswald the Lucky Rabbit, who was Walt Disney's first creation, whose rights NBC ended up getting a hold of. Like, over the years, <laughs> Walt Disney lost the rights to Oswald the Lucky Rabbit and then created Mickey Mouse because he could no longer use Oswald the Rabbit. And, like... 80 years later, Al Michaels got traded for Oswald. Wow. <laughs> that's wow on that, that story, but then perhaps a bigger wow on the fact that you have such better random information in your head than I have floating. That, that's an amazing nugget that I hope you use in trivia one day. If you could trade anyone at ESPN for Al Michaels, or what package would you create? So <laughs> the, here's what I would do if I was ESPN. I would say give us Scott Van Pelt because okay, we need someone first. better and yeah. Katie Nolan. Those two, I think, are worth an Al Michaels calling your games. Uh, but I think they would. I don't think they'll give up. Vastly that. underutilize Katie Nolan, and then I would just feel that it, Scott Van Pelt would end up on like Good Morning America doing very much not sports things. Yeah, I don't think he'd agree to it. Maybe I mean they could bolster their hockey coverage. They could get like. Uh, uh, Bouchagras, who's like a big hockey guy. Oh yeah. Um, I don't. There isn't like a good talent trade here. I don't feel like. No, ESPN is by default the broadcaster for a lot of things, but like they don't touch like a CBS broadcast or even a Fox broadcast sometimes. 
and they certainly don't touch a TNT inside the NBA broadcast. Pretty lukewarm. And I don't, I don't see Katie Nolan enough. Like, she should be on the mid-afternoon sports bar television show circuit. Like They've been using her a lot on Facebook Live now, which has been great. Um, or just Facebook stuff. Today it was, who would you like to, who would be your fighter at a piggyback race? Like, who would you pick? <laughs> and she picked Usain Bolt, which is great. Um, the other person, like, the other thing that I'm thinking about this is, like, this move is clearly to clear the way for Mike Tirico to take over Monday Night Football. Yeah. Because, or Sunday Night Football, because that's always sort of been the thing, because Tirico left ESPN. Mm-hmm. So you move Al Michaels over to Monday Night Football. It, I guess you don't need as big of a high-profile person if that's like what your strategy is, but like, it feels like you need somebody. Maybe they could get Stephen A. Smith. Maybe it would be Stephen A. Smith, and then just Stephen A. Smith becomes head of the Today Show. You, you mean, yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> no, well, Stephen A. Smith, I think he is definitely the strongest buoy keeping ESPN afloat, just on personality alone. Yeah. Like, um, He's got had a great villain character arc from like middle of the road to then being the most hated to the point that like people have to respect him just because he's so loud and talks so much, but it stays consistent and it brings people's attention. And he does like se- seven hours a day or something because apparently he has a radio show after his TV show. Oh yeah, uh, God bless the hustle, man. I don't. It would be cool to see Peyton do it. I don't think he's not going to be as good as um, Tony Romo, and I think that's what they're hoping for. But he would be funnier. Like the thing is, I think I would tune into a Peyton Manning broadcast. Totally. I don't. I think Peyton doesn't have to try nearly yeah. as hard as anyone else. Um, he could just do his nationwide commercials. That could just be the whole broadcast. Oh, totally. That would be entertaining enough for me. He can uh, shoehorn any product placement into yeah, his commentary. That could just be. And I think Al Michaels would have fun with him. Um, so we'll see. We'll keep you updated on broadcaster trade rumors. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, everyone wash your hands. Mm. Don't touch your face. We'll be back next I week. just touched my face. Oh, my God. <laughs> I'm Derek. I'm Quinn. See ya. <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs>